Let's do this. Welcome to the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast, the first Sunday recap episode here of the ZKSP. And we are going to be here today talking all the football, going over all the games, and giving you guys my main thoughts and my main takeaways from week one of the NFL season. My name is Zach Kroll, the host of the show. And if you guys want to get in contact with me, it's easy to do so. The Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Most of my content could be found on Twitter at Z-K-R-U. LL3, YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. All video segments of the podcast are uploaded straight to the YouTube channel. There is going to be some big things going on on the channel throughout the course of the NFL season. And once again, football was back. All 32 teams have played. All 32 teams have results. And I'm going to try my best to go over as many of those teams as possible here today. So much to talk about. We have the Raiders and the Ravens, that classic Monday night football game. We'll talk about that. We will get into the New Orleans Saints, absolutely embarrassing. The Green Bay Packers, the Chiefs and the Browns, the Rams and the Bears. So many things to talk about. So many things to get into. I appreciate all you guys listening. This is the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast, and it is time to talk some football. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to start off today's episode of the Zach Curl Sports Podcast after a full week of NFL football with the same way we will start every episode here this football season of the ZKSP with my 10 takeaways of the week. In case you missed it last year, what I would do is each and every episode after an NFL Sunday, I just like to go around the league and give you my 10 main takeaways. I try to hit on every game, uh, just about, if not as many games as possible. And I just love going around the league, even if it's for a couple minutes on each point. So without further ado, boys, hit the music for the first time this season. It is time for Zach's 10 takeaways of the week. Takeaway number one, the Urban Meyer experience in Jacksonville didn't get off to that great of a start. And it's crazy because I saw this coming. I didn't expect the Jaguars to get off to that great of a start this season. And all the rumblings I heard throughout training camp told me that this might just be an all-in-out disaster with Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And when I saw the NFL schedule come out, I saw the Jaguars were playing the Houston Texans. And for the record, props to Tyrod Taylor. The game he played yesterday was one of the better games he's ever played in his career. But with that being said, the bigger story for me in this game was absolutely not about the Houston Texans. It was about Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars really just not even showing up to play. And when you go from being a college coach. And for the record, Urban Meyer is one of the best college football coaches I have ever seen. He did such a good job turning around Florida and turning around Ohio State and turning around Utah and Bowling Green. He was an elite college coach. But when it comes to coaching in the NFL, it is just a different animal. You are coaching guys that make 
about the same amount, if not more money than you. You are coaching guys who have alpha personalities. And the fact that not only you lost to the Texans, a team that a lot of people are going into this season expecting not to win many football games. You didn't only lost, but you got blown out. The game wasn't even close. And now the USC job is open. Clay Helton gets fired. There are plenty of people who are thinking Urban Meyer might just be the guy for the USC job considering his history and bailing on certain programs at the worst time. I think Urban Meyer and the Jaguars is not going to work. This reminds me of a hire that was really only made to make the fans happy. What a terrible effort by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll give you a team that in terms of their effort was the complete opposite of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that was Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. And wow, that was impressive, what they were able to do going into our nation's capital in Washington and pulling out the victory. And I was high on both the Chargers and the Washington football team going into the season. These were two teams I expected to make the playoffs, and I think the game on Sunday lived up to the hype. But I was super impressed with the Chargers. Their offensive line behind Rashawn Slater was able to really neutralize the Washington football team's dynamic pass rush led by Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, and the rest of those guys. When you combine the offensive line that the Chargers have, which looks to be much improved with the elite weapons they have on both sides of the ball, Keenan Allen and Derwin James Looked healthy. He looked ready to go. Joey Bosa is an absolute freak of nature. He is unblockable. Austin Eckler looked good, and he wasn't even 100% healthy. He wasn't all full set ready to go. And still, the Chargers were able to win this game because their defense forced a timely turnover at the right time. And Justin Herbert just said, you know what? That's it. I got the ball back. I am not letting my team lose this game, and that's exactly what happened. This kid is an absolute star, and I will say it, the Chargers might just be the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. And it is crazy for me to say that because their head coach has only coached one game. But Brandon Staley knows elite talent. He coached Jalen Ramsey. He coached Aaron Donald. He coached Coel Mack. And with dogs like Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Derwin James, Justin Herbert, watch out for the Chargers. That is a scary team. Let's stay in the West, and let's talk a little bit about the NFC West. There were plenty of people that going into the season were actually picking the NFC West to get four playoff teams in. And not going to lie, I thought that was pretty crazy, even though I will say... From start to finish, the NFC West is the best division in football. And I am still not 100% sure if all four teams in this division are going to end up making the playoffs. But what I will say is I don't know if you could have asked for them to get off to a better start because all of the 49ers, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Rams not only won their week one game, but they looked really impressive doing it. Kyler Murray was swinging the ball all over the field to DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk. Arizona ran a Titan team that a lot of people are really high on. 
completely off the field. We're going to get into the Rams and Matthew Stafford and just how good and dynamic they look in their win over the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. The Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson was dropping absolute dimes against a cold defense that I'm really high on. I think Seattle and the chemistry shown between Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson, their defense looked improved. That is a team to watch. And the 49ers, look, I totally understand. They almost suffered a terrible, terrible loss to Detroit. They were up eight, so Detroit would have had to get a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and then ultimately win the game in overtime. But in the first three quarters of that game, Jimmy Garoppolo looked good. He was hitting Debo Samuel all across the field. I think Debo Samuel, as long as he stays healthy, should be a really good player. Hopefully Brandon Ayuk is okay to get him involved. Hopefully Raheem Mostert gets better, but this kid, Elijah Mitchell, looks like the real deal. I was super impressed with every team in the NFC West. Watch out for that division. Takeaway number four. I am absolutely embarrassed of the Green Bay Packers' performance. They should be embarrassed because I really don't know what that was. And I totally understand. Going into this game, it was some weird circumstances. We know that this game to start was originally supposed to take place in New Orleans, but due to the tough circumstances of Hurricane Ida, that was not able to happen. I hope everyone in New Orleans is doing okay and much better. So this game took place in Jacksonville. But these two teams knew that this game was going to be in Jacksonville for about two weeks. And one team showed up. Sean Payton had his New Orleans Saints ready to play. And I was really impressed with Jameis Winston. What he was able to do, swinging the ball all over the field, having five touchdowns, really showing us that unlike the Saints of years past with Drew Brees, who was really only able to complete the ball no longer than 20 yards, Jameis Winston, with a battered receiving core, no Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith gets hurt in this game. He looked really good. Good for the Saints. But screw the Packers, man. I don't know how you show up after you just got your heart taken out of your stomach the last football game you played in, the NFC Championship game, and you didn't even show up for this game. You let the New Orleans Saints just run all over you. The Packers looked like a soft team that was unprepared. And in my opinion, the worst possible insult you could give an NFL football team is that straight up they just weren't ready to play. That is unacceptable, especially for a team as good and as talented as the Green Bay Packers. I'm not going to lie. If I'm a cheesehead, I'm absolutely fuming at the way my team played on Sunday. Good for the Saints. Takeaway number five. The Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes in September are an absolute cheat code. And the crazy thing about this game was that I don't even think the Chiefs played particularly well. I think Cleveland Browns and Kevin Stefanski, they actually came into this game with a pretty good game plan. And Baker Mayfield, for the first three quarters of this game, played really well. I was actually impressed. But at the same time, when you're playing a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, they are just so hard to beat even when you play well. The Cleveland Browns thought they had them, just like they probably thought they had them in that playoff game last year. But Patrick Mahomes, given his history, it doesn't even matter. Everyone in the building knew that in that second half, the Kansas City Chiefs were going to have to throw the football. They had no choice. That was going to be their only possible way 
to get back in this football game. And guess what? It still didn't even matter. Patrick Mahomes, with just one flick of the wrist, was able to find Tyreek Hill for the big touchdown. Unfortunately for Cleveland, their punter botched that snap, and the game really changed from there. I was so impressed with Kansas City's ability, even when they didn't even play that well of a game, to come back, respond, and somehow, some way, pull out the victory over what I think is actually a very good Cleveland Browns team. If you're a Browns fan, you shouldn't panic. I think your team is going to win the AFC North. I think your team is going to win a whole lot of football games. But my issue with Cleveland is this. As much as I love Baker Mayfield, and I think he is a guy that is capable of beating some decent teams, and he could win regular season games. He showed us that last year. I think he's going to be able to do that this year. When you need him to make the big throw, I'm just not sure if he is able to do that. Good for Kansas City. Cleveland, that is going to be a game that is remembered with them for a long time. Hopefully, if you're a Browns fan, it doesn't cost you too much going forward. (coughs) Takeaway number six, Jets and Panthers. This is what happens when you give Sam Darnold legitimate help. He has a running game in Christian McCaffrey. He has really good wide receivers in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. He has a really good head coach in Matt Rule. He has a really good offensive coordinator with Joe Brady. And all of these things that he had in Carolina, that is exactly what he didn't have in New York. And anyone who was paying attention during that time should realize that Sam Darnold was really never given a fair shot as the quarterback of the New York Jets. And of course, it's super ironic in week one, seeing the Panthers go up against the Jets. And even though I do think the kid Zach Wilson showed some decent signs, the Jets didn't really give him a chance in this game. They couldn't block, and the Panthers' defense was good. They were relentless. They got to the quarterback. They took advantage of the Jets' putrid offensive line. And I said it before the season, Carolina was my surprise playoff team in the NFC. I predicted them to finish ahead of New Orleans and win about 10 games and be one of the wild cards in the NFC behind Tampa Bay. And I am not going away from that pick yet. I think Sam Darnold is a talented quarterback. He's not perfect. He was not a good New York Jet at all. They made the right choice to get rid of him and move on. But at the same time, he should not have been given up uh, on across the NFL. Carolina made the right decision bringing him in. I think with the proper help, with the proper weapons, which he has, Carolina could be a real, real sweeper team. Huge game for them next week at home against Jameis Winston and the Saints. Takeaway number seven. The Pittsburgh Steelers defense reminded us that they are one of the few defensive teams in football that are good enough to win a game by themselves. And I'm not going to lie. This was one of my surprises of the weekend because one of the main storylines going into this season and really this week one was fans were back in the stands. That is one part that as great uh, as the 2020 season was, having sports back, we really missed the fans in the crowd. Especially in the NFL, we were able to see over the past couple weeks just how electric a lot of these college football stadiums and crowds were. But Bills Mafia in upstate New York, I thought was going to be the best one. The Bills only lost one game at home last year, and it was to an elite offense in Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. We know historically how Buffalo has really struggled against Kansas City. 
But Pittsburgh, their defense is good. We knew that. And they decided to pay T.J. Watt. I think we were able to see in this game he was worth every single penny the Steelers gave him. But last year, as good as the Steelers' defense was, there were very few big games, I thought, that they just showed up to, took advantage of how good their defense was, and they weren't able to win games. They weren't able to make the big play because of their defense. Last year, when Steelers were good and they were starting off 11-0, Ben Roethlisberger was actually probably the main reason why. He was an MVP candidate, I think, until like week 9, week 10 of last year. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think the Steelers towards the end of the season were really limited offensively. Big Ben ran out of gas. Yesterday, the Steelers' defense went up against an elite offense and were able to say, it's okay, offense, and Ben Roethlisberger. If you can't move the ball, fine. The defense has this game covered. What an effort for the Steelers. And that is a statement win going into Buffalo and getting the job done. T.J. Watt is the definition of unblockable. Takeaway number eight. How great was it to have primetime games back in the NFL? And the two games that I'm referring to in particular was the opening night Thursday night football game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was a classic back and forth, I think in a similar way to how I mentioned about Kansas City and Cleveland. You could have just made the argument that Dallas played about as well as they possibly could, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think that Dak looked much better than anyone could have really ever expected. Uh, He looked comfortable, and the Cowboys did a good job taking advantage of what was a depleted Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary, and they were able to get the win. Good for, or they, and they were able to show up and put up points. Good for Dallas. But at the same time, even though they were not able to get the win, they showed up well. It didn't even matter. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady with less than two minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Down the field. Game winning field goal for Ryan Suckup. And the Buccaneers steal a game which they easily could have lost. A lot of Cowboy fans are feeling good. I don't know if I could trust your team going forward. Obviously, the quarterback situation in Washington is going to be one to monitor. I actually think Taylor Heineke had a legitimate argument to be the Washington football team's starting quarterback at the uh, the start off the season based on how good he played in that playoff game last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But what are you going to do? Good for the Buccaneers getting the win. And that primetime game between the Raiders and the Ravens, we're going to get into it later in the show. That was one of the better Monday night football games I've ever watched. Good for Derek Carr. That is a guy who is very easy to root for. John Gruden, that was a game the Raiders needed. And once again, stay tuned because I think the Baltimore Ravens could be in trouble based on just how exactly they lost the game, how exactly the injuries have gone down to start training camp, losing Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. I feel terrible for the Ravens, but that was a big-time win for the Raiders. Takeaway number nine, let's get to the Sunday night game. Speaking of primetime games, and we're going to get into the Rams and what exactly I think this game meant for Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay a little bit later in the show. But the Bears have to start Justin Fields now, right? I guess, and I'm very hesitant when I say this, I guess 
I could understand the Chicago Bears' decision to start Andy Dalton week one on Sunday Night Football against this ferocious Rams defensive line in front of this Chicago Bears offensive line that a lot of people didn't expect to be particularly good going into the season. I don't think they played terribly in this game against the Los Angeles Rams. But the bottom line is this. Andy Dalton was just a statue. He didn't make enough big throws. And Justin Fields needs to be starting at quarterback under center for the Chicago Bears from here on out. I think it's never been easier for young quarterbacks to enter the league and be comfortable and play right away than it is right now in the NFL. Justin Fields is a guy who I think his game is fit perfectly for the modern day NFL. He's quick, he's athletic, he's mobile. And I do think even in, uh, in front of this terrible Bears offensive line, he needs to be the Bears starting quarterback going forward. If you're the Bears, you need to give yourself as much evidence and as much tape as you possibly can while evaluating this kid, Justin Fields. And that has to start this week in week two against the Bengals. Soldier Field was on fire during the preseason when they saw Andy, Dar Andy Dalton, that quarterback. They were chanting, we want Fields. We want Fields. In the first game back at Soldier Field in over a year with fans, they're going to be on Matt Nagy to play Justin Fields. And if Andy Dalton struggles on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals, Justin Fields may just be the quarterback and Matt Nagy just may not have a choice. And takeaway number 10, what could have been the most impressive team of the week, in my opinion, it was the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, Jalen Hurts, a guy who I'll admit, I wasn't 100% sure that he could be an NFL starting quarterback in this league. He looked really good against the Falcons. He looked super dynamic. And the Eagles, I thought, going into the season, were one of the trickier teams to figure out. Just because of their personnel, it was a mix of talent and youngsters and experience. And their head coach, Nick Sariani, I didn't love how he handled himself uh, at the microphone to start off his tenure as head coach of the Eagles. He had some Jim Tomsula vibes to me, some Dan Campbell vibes. But hey, he looked like he was a pretty capable head coach on Sunday. And how about the Atlanta Falcons? I mean, I thought that Arthur Smith, a guy who is a very good a coordinator in Tennessee, I think he did a great job helping out Ryan Tannehill and really fixing that Tennessee Titans offense, making that offense one of the more dynamic units in the NFL. But man, as a head coach, that really was not the start you wanted to get off to. And the Falcons are still the Falcons, man. They have a tough week two game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to get blown out like that at home against the Philadelphia Eagles, that is just not an ideal way to start off your tenure. But good for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts looks like he may just be the answer at quarterback in Philadelphia. Miles Sanders ran the ball really well. The Eagles defense came to play. Good for Philadelphia, man. That is the definition of a season statement to start the season. Well, boys, it was a great segment. Without further ado, let's move on to the later parts of the Zach Crow Sports Podcast. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, I wanted to talk about the Los Angeles Rams Sunday night football victory over the Chicago Bears. If you missed it, the Rams ended up getting the win by a final score of 34 to 14. And I have a lot of thoughts from this game. Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the NFL. 
What this guy has been able to do since becoming the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams has been super impressive. We all saw what Jared Goff looked like as a quarterback under his first year in the NFL, uh, under head coach Jeff Fisher. If you remember, it was an all-and-out disaster. The Rams looked like they couldn't even move the ball. And there were a lot of people that had their serious, serious doubts about Jared Goff as a starting quarterback in the NFL just one year after he was drafted. And Sean McVay came in and immediately this guy became a very good quarterback. Sean McVay got to multiple playoffs and won multiple tough playoff games with Jared Goff as his starting quarterback. And last year, when I looked at the Los Angeles Rams and I would watch them play, it was evident to me that this team was just a quarterback away from being elite. They had the best defense in football last year. Sean McVay is an elite head coach. They have really good weapons, but their quarterback play wasn't good enough. And I am not, or I wasn't the biggest Matthew Stafford fan during his time in Detroit. Matthew Stafford has been a guy that was drafted number one overall. And when you watch him play, the talent is clear. It's evident. It's there. This guy can sling the ball all over the field. But at the same time, he didn't win much in Detroit. However, Detroit is football purgatory. That is a place where football careers go to die. Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders... And now Matthew Stafford, all of those guys, they were not able to win and succeed in Detroit. And Matthew Stafford was coming from Detroit to Los Angeles, where Sean McVay was out here going to Super Bowls with Jared Goff as his starting quarterback. So I said, when you combine Stafford going from a terrible situation to a really good one, With his talent, when you watch Matthew Stafford, and we saw him last night, right away, from start to finish of that game last night, Matthew Stafford was out here just slinging the football all over the field. And the Rams are one of the most talented teams in the NFL. There are not a lot of defenses that have as much star power as Aaron uh, Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And those two guys made a significant impact. The other thing that I was really impressed with about the Rams. We all know that they had a devastating, devastating injury early on in camp. Cam Akers, a guy that a lot of people expected to break out for this Los Angeles Rams team and become one of the better young running backs in the NFL. Unfortunately, he tore his Achilles in the preseason, really before the preseason even started. He is not expected to take a snap for the Rams this season. And uh, Sean McVay, every successful team that he has had in the NFL has had a successful running game. We all remember Todd Gurley in his prime and just how good that Ram team was when he was going. And unfortunately, without Cam Akers, there were a lot of people that were doubtful and skeptical about the Rams running game. But one thing that impressed me last night was Daryl Henderson and his ability to get the job done. He had a big reception, a long reception as well. I was impressed how they got him involved. And when I look at Matthew Stafford, when I look at Sean McVay, and when I look at this whole situation, it was such a phenomenal scene last night in Los Angeles, the first game 
at SoFi Stadium with fans. That atmosphere really did look incredible, and that stadium looked so nice. We realized that Los Angeles is a place with so much things to do. There are so many sport teams. There are so many entertainment options between the Rams and the Chargers, the Dodgers, the Lakers, obviously, the Clippers. There are so many teams, and it's hard for... Uh, you to get people's attention in a place like Los Angeles, especially when you're not winning. But not only that, you need flashy names even if you're winning. You need star power. And I think the combination of Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, and this new stadium, and let's just face it, the Rams are a fun team to watch. Their defense is elite. They make the time we stop and the time we tackle each and every play. And I'm telling you right now, the Los Angeles Rams, to me, look like a Super Bowl contender. And it's crazy that I'm saying that because they have a quarterback that has never won a playoff game in his nine-year career in the NFL. But at the same time, I'll just state it like it is. And Matthew Stafford's definitely been in the league longer than nine years. I don't know why I even said that. But I'll say it like it is. This Rams team is really good. They are loaded on both sides of the ball. And I totally understand. It was the Chicago Bears. The Bears are not a team that is really going to jump off the pages towards anyone. But at the same time, the Rams dominated that game last night from start to finish. Andy Dalton looked overmatched going up against that Los Angeles Rams defense. And one small concern I had about this Ram team was going to be the loss of Brandon Staley. And I understand Raheem, Most, uh, Raheem uh, Morris, <laughs> Raheem Mostert, is an elite defensive coordinator and he has won a lot of games as a coordinator using his defensive schemes. But the crazy thing is the Rams actually decided that the defense that they used last year was so good that they said, okay, we're going to bring this back. And they really had to lean uh, and teach Raheem Morris how to run that new uh, that old defensive scheme that Brandon Staley ran and uh, what made their team so successful last season but I just wanted to say I was really impressed with this Rams team Matthew Stafford was throwing the ball down the field I mean Cooper Cup has emerged into an absolute star in this league you also look at Van Jefferson it was a great sign that the Rams were able to get him involved. That is, once again, a guy that they took in the uh, second or third round last year. He had some flashes last year, but wasn't really able to establish himself as a consistent wide receiver, as a rookie. I think last night, that's a great sign that he caught that long touchdown bomb if you are a fan of the Los Angeles Rams. And also, Matthew Stafford really did a good job opening uh, the playbook, or Sean McVay did a really good job opening the playbook with Matthew Stafford under center. McVay actually said after the game, you're not limited in anything you could do in the passing game when Matthew Stafford is your quarterback. And that's a great sign for the Rams offense as they transition from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. And once again, I don't think Jared Goff is a bad quarterback. I think in the NFL, Jared Goff is a quarterback that could win plenty of games. But it was proven in Los Angeles over the last couple of years that he needed everything around him in order to succeed. When he didn't have a good running game or when he didn't have a really good defense or good wide receivers or even <coughs> excuse me, a good head coach in Sean McVay, he was not able to get the job done and he was not able to elevate his team and put his team on the back when they needed him the most and 
This Rams team with a real big-time quarterback that can make all the throws, and on third and eight, when you need him to just fit the ball in a perfectly tight window, I do think that Matthew Stafford, given his physical attributes, given his experience as a passer, he could be able to get the job done. And when you combine that with Jalen Ramsey and how good he looked yesterday, really shutting down Allen Robinson and the rest of uh, these Chicago Bears wide receivers. You also look at some under-the-radar guys on that defense, including Kenny Young, including uh, Corey Fuller. He looked really good. I think the Rams' offensive line played as well as they possibly can. We know that the Bears have a lot of guys that could get pressure on the quarterback, like Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, Khalil Mack, but the Rams really didn't look phased at all on the offensive line. And they're a really good team. Now, David Montgomery had a really good game for the Bears. Obviously, you want the Rams to clean up uh, that rush defense a little bit. But at the same time, like I'm not really worrying about Aaron Donald and the rest of those guys up front for the Los Angeles Rams. couple thoughts on the Bears in this game. I mentioned it in the 10 things to open the show. I think Matt Nagy may just not have a choice when it comes to who his starting quarterback is going to be. And I think what happened was when Andy Dalton signed with the Chicago Bears, they obviously didn't realize that Justin Fields was going to fall directly into their lap in the draft. And the Bears probably promised Andy Dalton the starting gig when he signed. But this is the NFL. Circumstances changes. Things happen, and the Bears had to realize that Justin Fields right now is just clearly the better player than Andy Dalton. And Matt Nagy, he probably just didn't want to start Justin Fields behind that putrid Bears offensive line, who, to be honest, didn't even play that badly last night. And he decided to go with the veteran. He didn't want to get Justin Fields killed, I guess. But at the same time, I just think it's never been easier for quarterbacks coming from college to enter the NFL and to learn the playbook and to play right away because they had these seven-on-seven satellite camps. They come up knowing how to read professional uh, defenses, and I do think that Justin Fields, considering his athleticism, considering the way he plays and the style he plays with, I think it's perfectly fit for today's modern-day NFL game And I just don't know what the Bears are doing. When I was watching some of these 1 o'clock games yesterday and I was seeing Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and even Trey Lance make some really nice throws. Obviously, Trey Lance ended up throwing a touchdown on his first NFL uh, pass. It just made me want to see Justin Fields even more Uh, under center for the Chicago Bears. He obviously had a nice touchdown run, and it was evident to me the Bears players just got super, super excited on the sideline and celebrating in the end zone when Fields ended up scoring. I just don't know how this is even a decision at this point for Matt Nagy, and it's crazy because I watched a couple of Chicago Bears preseason games up close, and it was funny because all of Soldier Field was just clearly chanting for Justin Fields when Andy Dalton was under center. Think about how nuts... That stadium is going to be when Andy Dalton has a three now to open his drive against his former team on Sunday, the Cincinnati Bengals in the Bears home opener, their first game at Soldier Field uh, with fans in over a year. That stadium is going to be wanting Justin Fields 
really, really badly. And Matt Nagy, if the Bears aren't playing well to start off Sunday's game, may not have a choice. To be honest, I lose more and more faith in him as a starting coach the more I watch the Bears play. And this was coming from someone who was a huge Matt Nagy fan prior uh, or after his first year in uh, Chicago. I think he did a phenomenal job with Mitch Trubisky getting that team to the playoffs. But over the last couple of years, Mitch Trubisky obviously wasn't the answer at quarterback. But at the same time, I just haven't loved his play calling. I obviously really don't like the way he is handling the Chicago Bears quarterback situation. And maybe he just knows that he has another year under his belt in terms of head coach uh, and his job security. But at the same time, Justin Fields is the guy that I think may just give the Bears the best chance to win. And once again, one more last point before we end this segment. I just think that... The evaluation process is so important now. We have seen plenty of teams bail on a young quarterback when they just clearly know, okay, this guy is not the answer. And the Bears need as much film and as much tape and as much evidence as possible when it comes to the evaluation of Justin Fields. They were not really competitive last night. There was never really a time in this game, even though the Rams were only up 13-7 to at the half, that I figured uh, that the Bears were going to win this game. Once again, great performance by the Rams. They looked like a real Super Bowl contender, and I'm just not confident in the Chicago Bears going forward. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, we had to talk a little bit about the crazy Monday night football game that went down as the Las Vegas Raiders in overtime pull off the win over the Baltimore Ravens by a final score of 33 to 27. And wow, there are so many things to get into from this game as this was just a back and forth game. It was the first game in Las Vegas's new Allegiant Stadium with fans. Obviously, last season we saw this stadium empty. And one thing that was mentioned early on in this game that caught my eye from the beginning was last year without fans in the building, the Raiders were two and six at home. They really made it a priority to go out there and win this game against a Raven team that although they are super banged up, uh, they are a team with a winning pedigree and they have an elite playmaking quarterback in Lamar Jackson. And last night definitely lived up to the hype to start off the season in Vegas. A couple quick things that come to mind for me to start off this segment for the Raiders. I am so happy for Derek Carr. And if you missed it after the game, he had one of the more raw, emotional pre uh, post-game interviews, I should say, on ESPN. I'm going to pull it up for you guys right now. And he just spoke about how much this game meant to him because it was an accurate representation of his career. It was an accurate representation of everything that has happened to Derek Carr since he's been a Raider. Without further ado, here's the audio. That quote tells me a lot. That quote shows me that Derek Carr was going into this season looking to do whatever he could to provide wins for this Raider team. And there were so many points throughout this game that I thought the Raiders, to be honest with you, were done. To start off, they didn't really come 
ready to play. The Ravens were the team that got off to the big-time start, and momentum kind of changed on that fumbled snap inside the 30-yard line on third down. And since then, the Ravens were able to take advantage of it. They were obviously up 14 to nothing to start in the first quarter, but the Ravens, the Raiders never gave up. They made all the timely plays. And when it comes to Derek Carr, I am not sure that there are many quarterbacks in the NFL that are as polarizing as this guy. I feel like there are plenty of NFL football fans that love Derek Carr and they think that the Raiders as a franchise has failed him and that he could still be a winning quarterback in the NFL. And to be honest with you guys, that's kind of where I stand. I actually think that Derek Carr is one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, and if you put a good team and a good defense around him, he is going to do exactly what he was able to do last night, step up and make all of the big-time throws when he's needed most, and I understand he started off a little sloppy. There were plenty of instances throughout the beginning of that game where you actually were not sure if Carr and Darren Waller were on the same page. And he obviously had trouble a little bit getting his receivers like Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs involved until very late in the fourth quarter and the beginning of overtime in that game. And another point I wanted to make on the Raiders, right? I totally understand the grief that John Gruden and Mike Mayock as a regime will get considering all of the questionable roster decisions that they have made. The fact that Cleveland Furl, a guy that they took with the number four overall pick in 2019 over many very talented players like Devin White, that was a pick that not a lot of people liked at the time. And not because Furl couldn't be a good player. It was because the Raiders were clearly reaching on a player that no one expected to be drafted with that number three pick. They had to have some draft awareness when it came to the picks of Damon Arnett and Cleveland Furl and the offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, who I actually thought played a decent game last night, besides the couple penalties that really almost cost the Raiders in this <coughs> excuse me, in this game. If you remember, early in the first overtime, the Raiders had the ball to start, and Derek Carr hit Brian Edwards. He was one yard short of the end zone. They tried to run it in on a QB sneak. Carr was stopped, and then the next play, boom, false start penalty. Two plays later, Derek Carr hits Willie Sneed right in the hands. It bounces off of his hands, and the Ravens make the interception. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. At that moment, I really did think that the Baltimore Ravens were in full control to win this game. And props to the Raiders defense. Another thing Derek Carr mentioned in his postgame press conference is part of the reason why he was so proud of his team and part of the reason why he was so excited that the Raiders won this game was because it was a true team effort. There haven't been many Las Vegas Raider games over the past couple years that both the offense and the defense came to play. They made all of the big time plays that were necessary for them to win and they came through. They got the job done. Max Crosby was an absolute madman getting to the quarterback with ease. He was flying around the field. Carl Nassib obviously forced the big fumble to get the Raiders the ball in overtime after that uh, devastating car interception. And Derek Carr and the Raiders just never gave up. He said after that uh, Willie Sneed interception, 
We're not losing this game like this. We can't lose the game like this. And the Raiders defense stepped up and made enough big plays to win them the game. I totally understand that John Gruden, when we, you watch him coach, it is easily, easily understood that you can make the argument that, that the game has passed him by a little bit. He is a very successful NFL head coach with a very nice NFL resume. However, he hasn't won a Super Bowl in over 15 years. He hasn't won a playoff game in over 15 years. And a lot of people have said, like, the game has passed him by. And I will say, last night he had his offense rolling and his play calling was super, super impressive. But the Raiders defense, a unit that, to be honest with you guys, has been one of the worst units in the NFL over the last couple years. They came ready to play as well. Props to Gus Bradley. And look, NFL coordinators make a lot of money, right? I feel like it's not spoken about enough. We will judge NFL GMs by their player moves, and we will judge head coaches by their play calling, and if they have their team ready to play, stuff like that. Coordinators are a huge, huge key in this as well. And last year, you saw that even though Paul Gunther was making a bunch of money, he was not able to get the job done for the Raiders defense. That was one of the worst units in the NFL. And John Gruden responded by firing him. He brings in Gus Bradley, a guy who did an okay job with the Chargers defense over the last couple of years. I don't think he was some great coordinator. I don't think he was terrible, but he came in last night and had the Raiders defense ready to play. And he took a unit that was pretty bad over the last couple of years, like the Raiders, and at least had them ready to play. And they looked much improved last night. They made all of the timely plays that were needed to get the job done for Vegas. The future of the Raiders, I think, Part of what made this game so important for not only the Raiders, but really both of these teams, is that if you look at their upcoming schedule, the Raiders needed this game because they go to Pittsburgh in Week 2. They host Miami, go to the Chargers, host the Bears, go to Denver. Like These are not easy games, and if they would have started off 0-1 playing in such a tough AFC West, by the way, every single team in the AFC West one in week one, that division might just be better than a lot of people expected. I think the Raiders are definitely a team that still has a lot to prove, especially playing in such a tough and loaded AFC. But if they do get things going, I think they could be a successful football team. A couple problems with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Overall, I think Lamar Jackson played a, a good game. He was explosive as ever. He is a quarterback that is capable of making so many plays that quite frankly, no one else in the NFL is really capable of making. He is that impressive of a player, and I do think that long-term, he should be the Ravens quarterback, and I understand when it comes to his contract situation, he doesn't have an agent, so he just said he is worried about this season and this season only, and then he'll worry about the contract talk uh, when it has to come up. But at the same time, I think Lamar Jackson's game is built to last in the short term. I think if the Ravens want to win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson, and it's capable, they're capable of doing so. Maybe not this year considering the injuries that they had, but they're capable of winning with Lamar Jackson under center as their starting quarterback. But there were a couple times during the game last night, especially when the Raiders were able to force those timely turnovers where I was just like, Lamar, what are you doing? What exactly is going on for you to go into that crowded of a pile? And ultimately, you can make the argument it's what costed the Ravens the game in big time moments when 
Each team needed their quarterback to make a play. Derek Carr was able to do so. And unfortunately, Lamar Jackson had two costly, costly turnovers for the Baltimore Ravens. And to be honest with you guys, I think the Ravens could be in trouble. They have a tough schedule going forward. Listen to their next five games after this devastating loss to start their season at 0-1. They will host Kansas City, a team that Lamar Jackson has had a lot of trouble beating. He has not beaten Patrick Mahomes yet. They go to Detroit. That should be a win. But then they go to Denver, host Indy, host the Chargers. I think there's a good chance we're looking at this Baltimore Raven team and they start off two and four. And the injuries that this team suffered were just terrible between Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill and obviously Marcus Peters in the secondary. I have never heard of a team Uh, losing two players on torn ACLs in back-to-back plays of practice. They had to stop practice early. It was an emotional roller coaster for the Ravens, and they still played okay last night, but at the same time, it was a game they really should have won against a Raider team. I believe even with all of the injuries, they are better than, and they did not win. They couldn't get the job done. And one more quick point. I was disappointed in one of the better defensive coordinators in the NFL, Don Wink Martindale, a guy who has been on a lot of NFL coaching radars over the last couple of years. I think he failed the Ravens last night. He was blitzing Derek Carr very early in that game, and it was working, but he never got away from it. And ultimately, when the Raiders knew what was coming from the Ravens, their offensive line was able to buckle down just enough, give Derek Carr enough time, and he was able to make all the timely throws. You saw how late in the fourth quarter, early in overtime, Brian Edwards and Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs, they were all wide open for the big gains, and Derek Carr did a good job finding them. The Raiders took advantage to get the job done, and I'm worried about the Ravens. You saw after the game, Coach Harbaugh was like to Don Martindale, bro, what are we doing? We have to make some adjustments. These were just a lot of uncharacteristic mistakes I saw the Ravens make that I'm just not used to seeing them uh, occur in their games. And in this AFC North, Pittsburgh, they looked much better than expected. I think Cleveland is really good. They were my pick to win this division before the season started. And I'm telling you now, Joe Burrow looked much better than I would have ever expected him to look for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Ravens have to be careful. I think when we look at Lamar Jackson, he's a great quarterback. He can make plays. But in the big moment in third and eight, is he going to be able to put the ball where no one except his receiver could catch it, especially with the injuries I'm concerned about the Ravens playing in a tough AFC. But once again, props to the Raiders. Long term, if I were to predict, I don't think either of these two teams are playoff teams. But the Raiders just somehow, someway found a way to win. And if their defense could keep this up, maybe, just maybe, they'll have a chance. Moving on to the next segment of today's show. It's time to talk about what a lot of people consider to be the game of the day on Sunday afternoon. The CBS 425 game a rematch of the AFC Divisional Playoffs as the Cleveland Browns took on the Kansas City Chiefs. And this was a phenomenal football game. Back and forth, Cleveland got off to a really good lead. Kansas City, though, ends up winning the game 33-29. to And there are a couple different angles to look at this game, right? I think if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic even though you lost. I think 
that even in a loss, the Browns showed that they're going to be a team that wins a tremendous amount of football games throughout the season. They know that against most teams, not named the Kansas City Chiefs, they have a really good formula in terms of running the football with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt behind that offensive line, which I do believe is still the best offensive line in football. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't even play. Uh, Their defense, I think, looked solid at times with Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and some of the other additions they made. But the problem is this. When you're facing a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, a lot of people will like to say that the way to beat them is to just run the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes off of the field and do whatever you can to just take advantage of the time of possession. Here is my issue with that strategy, though. When you are a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, we know what this Chiefs team is known for. They can strike at any time. I will never forget that playoff game against the Houston Texans when they were down 24 to nothing and in a snap before halftime of that game, all of a sudden that game was tied. The Chiefs ran away from it from there and they were just a tremendous team. All four games during their Super Bowl title run, they were trailing at one point and still somehow, some way, they found a way to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. And when you're going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, no matter how many points you have a lead, you are never able to count them out of the game. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs offense as a unit is the best unit in the NFL uh, when you combine an elite and a generational head coach like Andy Reid with a once-in-a-generation type talent at quarterback with Patrick Mahomes and then the weapons of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That is just a group that not many other teams in the NFL can stop. And I think as time goes on, those three are making a case to be one of the best triplets in NFL history on the offensive side of the ball. Patrick Mahomes is now 11-0 in the month of September with 35 touchdowns and zero interceptions. That is just an absurd stat. A couple things I wanted to get deep into this game, though. Cleveland played well, and I think Cleveland is going to be a very good football team. They are my prediction to win the AFC North. I actually predicted that for the second year in a row, Cleveland and Kansas City are going to face off in the playoffs this year. But instead of facing off in the AFC Divisional Round, I predicted it to happen in the AFC Championship game. Because once again, 1-53, to I think Cleveland is actually one of the most talented teams in the NFL, and they're a complete team. I cannot give Kevin Stefanski enough credit for the job that he has been able to do since arriving in Cleveland and getting the Browns to the playoffs his first year. And the fact that last year, in that playoff game at Heinz Field against the Pittsburgh Steelers, when he was out with COVID, the Browns were still able to find a way to beat their division rival on the road in a playoff game. That is just a situation and a spot that many Cleveland Browns teams over the last couple of years, they just flat out would not be able to get the job done. And somehow, some way, Cleveland did it. 
And I think this year, they return a majority of that team. They're going to be able to win a lot of football games. But my problem with Cleveland is this. We saw that late in this game, even though Cleveland played a great first half, they were winning the whole first half, and there were many people, including myself, that were saying just how great Kevin Stefanski's game plan was, right? I loved how early in this game, Cleveland was able to come out aggressive with some moxie. They were going for two-point conversions after Kansas City uh, penalties after their first touchdown. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they were all running the ball. Baker Mayfield was swinging it down the field. Cleveland looked good to start off this game. But I think when you look at Baker Mayfield, he is not a bad quarterback. I think you could win with him at quarterback to a certain extent. He is a guy that Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Brown coaching staff knows they need to script, script the game for him. And in the second half, when everyone in the building knew that Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs was throwing the ball and he was going to try whatever he could to get the Kansas City Chiefs back in the game, it still didn't even matter. Cleveland still could not stop him as with one flick of the wrist, the Chiefs were able to go right down the field to Tyreek Hill, the long touchdown, Mahomes hit Travis Kelsey for some other touchdowns as well, and Kansas City ended up getting the win. Baker Mayfield and the Browns had one more opportunity left before the game ended on that last drive. We know what happened. Mike Hughes, the former Minnesota Viking, ends up getting the interception, and just like that, the Kansas City Chiefs are 1-0 to start the season. Cleveland Browns 0-1. And once again, I think for the first three quarters of this game, Cleveland played for their personnel, about as good as they could play. They were running the football. Their offensive line was doing work against the Kansas City Chief defensive line that I actually called out during the game saying that this Chiefs unit has way too much talent to be this bad. I know Frank Clark didn't play. Tyron Matthew didn't play for the Chiefs as well. But I think from a big picture perspective, that is exactly what makes this Kansas City Chief team so good and so tough to beat is that even during a day in the first half where they didn't play that good of football, Patrick Mahomes looked a little bit overwhelmed against that Cleveland Brown defense, the way they were getting to him, the way that they were shutting down really all of his options. And still in the second half, when everyone in the building knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be throwing, the Chiefs were still able to put up plenty of points and they were still able to get the win and get the job done. This is just such a tough team to beat because even when they don't play their best game, Cleveland, a team that showed up to Arrowhead, played a really good game, they were not able to be beaten. And I think right now it is clear to say, when we saw how the Buffalo Bills looked in week one, a team that a lot of people predicted to be finally, this is the year where Kansas City gets stopped in the AFC. Chiefs have been to three straight AFC championship games. They have been to two straight Super Bowls. There are a lot of people that are saying, okay, this is finally going to be the year that Kansas City gets dethroned in the AFC. Well, to be honest with you, when you look at their threats, Buffalo didn't look like a threat. Cleveland didn't look like that big of a threat. And I understand the Browns almost won, but I can't expect Kansas City and their offense to be shut down in the first half again like they were against Cleveland. It is too potent. It is too dynamic. And right now, I'm not even kidding. The number one threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC might be in their division, and it might just be the Los Angeles Chargers because the way Justin Herbert played Sunday against a really tough defense, 
in the Washington football team, that was a game where the Chargers really relied on their young star quarterback to make all the timely throws. And guess what? He delivered. It was a super impressive effort. And week three will be when Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, and the Los Angeles Chargers head to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Chiefs. I can't wait. They will be on the road against Baltimore next week. They will then take on the Philadelphia Eagles, Buffalo Bills. The Chiefs are going to have a lot of big games, and we'll see how that ends up for them starting Sunday night football against the Ravens. If you're a Brown fan, I still think your team wins the AFC North. I still think your team still has a chance to be really good. Kevin Stefanski is one of the better head coaches in the league. I loved his game plan going into this game, but the problem is this. Kansas City is a a once-in-a-generation type team. When you combine Andy Reid, a head coach that was elite in Philadelphia, but he just never had that once-in-a-generation type talent at quarterback. He did wonders with Donovan McNabb and Michael Vick and Alex Smith, and all of those guys were really good, but none of those guys had the top-notch potential and the top-notch talent that a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes has And when you combine an elite offensive mind in Andy Reid with Mahomes and the weapons and the Chiefs offensive line minus left tackle Orlando Brown, it was his first game uh, in a Kansas City Chief uniform. Hopefully he'll improve. But I was so impressed with the right side of the Chiefs offensive line between Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey and Lucas Niang. I think that unit on the right side could be one for Kansas City that gets the job done for years to come. And even when Cleveland had the perfect game plan, they made one mistake fumbling the punt. And as soon as that happened, I knew. I said to myself, these are not the mistakes that you're going to be able to make against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs because they know especially in a situation where they've been down the whole game and they've been playing loose. And we know that Mahomes, it doesn't take much for him to get the team back in the game by just making a couple throws like he did to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Kansas City is just such a tough team to beat. They're such a tough team to game plan for. And I wanted to make myself clear. If you think the best way of beating the Chiefs is just running the football and keeping them off the field, I don't think it's going to work because we know just how quickly Mahomes and this offense is able to strike. The best way for you to beat the Kansas City Chiefs is to somehow, some way, have a quarterback that is able to go step for step and punch for punch with Mahomes or just have a defense like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in the Super Bowl that could just get after him at any moment and any time. And we saw just how overwhelmed Mahomes looked in that game. But to be honest, it wasn't even his fault. I think any quarterback would have just been flustered by the amount of elite pressure the Buccaneers were able to get in that Super Bowl game. But once again, to recap, I think Cleveland played about as well as you could, but at the end of the day, it didn't even matter because the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium with this quarterback are just so good. They're that tough to beat, even when you come out with a good game plan and even when they don't necessarily play their best game. Moving on to the last and final segment of today's show, I have to get this off my chest. I still cannot believe What I just watched on Sunday afternoon in Jacksonville, Florida, between the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints. If you missed it, the Saints ended up getting the win by a final score of 38-3. to And And if I'm being honest with you guys, it really wasn't that close. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have been a team 
a lot of people have been talking about this offseason. We all know everything that's been going down recently between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers front office. And it was getting so bad that there were some times throughout this offseason where I was really asking myself, is Aaron Rodgers really ever going to play another snap for the Green Bay Packers again? It was getting that bad. And a lot of people were on Team Rodgers. A lot of people were on Team Packers. And I made myself clear. I actually wasn't upset that Aaron Rodgers was acting the way he was because I actually do think the way the Packers management has treated him over the last couple of years was pretty bad. They just were really not, they weren't aware of their quarterback and the fact that he historically has been a very tough guy to work with and the fact that they drafted Jordan Love without even telling him when Aaron Rodgers was under the impression that they were going to draft a weapon like T. Higgins. And by the way, if you watched the Cincinnati Bengals play last Sunday, you could tell that T. Higgins would look pretty good in a Green Bay Packer uniform. And the Packers got blown out on Sunday by the New Orleans Saints. And as much as I have defended Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years and over the last couple of weeks, I mean... I can't really defend him on this one. Now, with that being said, I will fully also admit, I was someone that picked the Green Bay Packers to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. And obviously, after one game, that prediction isn't looking particularly good. But at the same time, this regular season and how exactly the Green Bay Packers approached it was going to be something that I was very curious about uh, throughout the whole season. Because I think one thing about the Packers that is pretty clear is that given the amount of regular season games this team has won since the Aaron Rodgers-Matt LaFleur combination has become a thing, like that was really impressive. And given the amount of games they've won, they could have they could do anything this regular season and it really won't matter until we see what exactly happens with this Green Bay Packer team in the playoffs. Now with that being said, the last game this Packer team played before this 38 to 3 drubbing by the New Orleans Saints was obviously yes, that NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers and I have gone on record saying that loss could just hurt and hunt the Green Bay Packers and this organization for a long, long time. Because I will fully admit, as much as, as much as I love Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, as much as I love Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I did think that last year, from start to finish, the Green Bay Packers were the best team in the NFL, and they should have won the Super Bowl. But we all know that many times it isn't always the best team that ends up winning the Super Bowl. And we know that around this quarterback position, 1-53, to the Green Bay Packers certainly don't have the best roster in the NFL. Besides Devontae Adams, who is their most consistent wide receiver? Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers, the kid they drafted from Clemson, but as a rookie, I'm not necessarily sure if he can make that big of an impact right away. Like, I like Robert Tunyon. Aaron Jones is obviously a big time running back, but the Green Bay Packers are flawed from a roster perspective. Their defense has some guys, but at the same time, when has their defense just stepped up in a big game and has just said, you know what? 
screw it. We're not letting anyone score on us. And the penalties in this game weren't ideal. That roughing the passer on Zadarius Smith wasn't great, and that canceled out, which would have been a Green Bay Packers interception. If that play stands, does the game go differently? Maybe for a player or two, but from start to finish, I don't think it mattered. The Saints just took it to the Packers. They were the better team in this game, and if you're watching this, it's hard not to imagine and think to yourself, is Aaron Rodgers focused on football? He just let us know over the past couple weeks and pretty recently that he was considering retirement at many times throughout the season. And the NFL is the kind of game where if you're just off your A game and if you're not trying your hardest for a split second, then you're going to get blown out and run off the field exactly like what happened to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday against the Saints. Now, props to Jameis Winston. He looked to be in as good a shape as he has been in recently since he's gotten to the NFL. He literally looked like Florida State Jameis Winston. But we know that when it comes to Jameis, he has natural talent. He is a guy that has natural arm strength, and he can make all of the throws uh, that are asked of him. But at the same time, you saw him and Bruce Arians, and we all thought, That Jameis Winston being combined with the Bruce Arians risk it no biscuit style would have been great for him. But yeah, he threw 30 interceptions during the last time he was a full uh, season starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That obviously didn't look good. And I do think that last year, just sitting behind Drew Brees and really getting a better idea of what exactly this New Orleans Saints offense is like and just taking that full redshirt season, that was really good for Jameis Winston. I think in terms of his long-term development, that could really help him along with this New Orleans Saints team. The reason why I wasn't particularly high on the Saints going into the season, I had them finishing with a record of about 9-8 and eight and just missing the playoffs, was because around him, I wasn't 100% sure they had enough. Losing Michael Thomas for a majority of the season hurts, and Traquan Smith got banged up in Sunday's game, and they lost Jared Cook. But first off, the Saints offensive line, that is an elite unit. They really came to play. I was super impressed with, obviously, Ramchek and Armstead and Andres Pete and Cesar Ruiz. That is a unit that has been playing together for a long time now. And then you flip it, look at the other side of Green Bay, the loss of Corey Winsley. He is now the starting center for the Los Angeles Chargers. David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers' guy, uh, the probably, besides Devontae Adams, the one person he trusts the most in this Green Bay Packer offense. It looked like they really missed him. And last year, you could tell uh, in the playoffs, Green Bay and their offensive line wasn't really the same without big Bakhtiari up front. And when it comes to the Packers, I'll admit, I understand it's one game, and I understand the Packers play in what might just be the easiest division in football. We spoke a lot uh, throughout the show about the two West divisions, the AFC West, the NFC West. Do you guys realize that both of those divisions won a combined 8-0 this week? And then you look at the NFC North, the Packers division, and all of a sudden... They went 0-4. The Vikings lost a game they should have absolutely won against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Lions lost to the 49ers. The Bears didn't even look like they were in the same league as the Los Angeles Rams. And the Packers get blown out by the Saints. Just not an ideal start for anyone in the NFC North. But props to Sean Payton and the Saints. They came ready to play and... 
Sean Payton is a coach that historically I've had my critiques of him. I think that when we look back at the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era, we're going to ask ourselves, how on God's earth did these guys only win one Super Bowl together? But at the same time, I do think the Saints this year might be in a better spot at the quarterback position because Jameis Winston could elevate and push the ball downfield, which Drew Brees, quite frankly, was not able to do. And the Saints might just have a better quarterback this season than they've had over the last couple years. My problem is, do they have the weapons around that quarterback? And do they have a healthy enough defense without Lattimore to get the job done? The Packers, I was just so disappointed how on the offensive side of the ball, they just didn't even show up. They were flat. And I totally understand this game was in Jacksonville. I picked the Saints to win this game. Uh, I, I said a lot of weird things could happen, but... The Saints blowing out the Packers 38-3 and Green Bay just not really getting off the bus? That was something I, quite frankly, was just not expecting at all. And when we look at the future uh, schedule for this Green Bay Packer team, it's tough. It's not going to be an easy ride to get their momentum back. They will have a Monday night game against Detroit, but then home, uh, uh, home against Detroit, but then on the road against San Francisco, home Pittsburgh, at Cincy, and I was really impressed with Joe Burrow. Uh, at Bears, home Washington. At Arizona, at Kansas City. Seattle, the Vikings on the road. The Rams come to town. When we look at the Green Bay Packers, is this a team that we could take seriously as a Super Bowl contender? And once again, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl with the assumption that they weren't going to have as good of a regular season as they've had over the last couple of years. I wouldn't have been shocked if you would have told me going into this game, considering the circumstances, considering it was in Jacksonville when uh, most of the offseason we expected this game to be in New Orleans. If you would have said the Saints would have just stolen this game and just slightly outplayed Green Bay, I would have believed you. But if I'm a Packer fan, I'm just worried that this game wasn't even particularly close. And the Packers are going to have a lot to pr prove to us over the course of the next couple of weeks, if they want to be taken seriously as a legit contender. Because once again, when I saw this team uh, last year, they looked like, to me, the clear best team in the NFL. And there were a lot of discussions in the offseason about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and his contract situation and the possible last dance that this would be for the Green Bay Packers. And I still think they could do it. If you remember, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got absolutely blown out by these New Orleans Saints to open up last season, but that is just a terrible, terrible start for Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers, as good of a player he is, given his track record when things aren't necessarily uh, going his way, when his team is down, when his team needs him to step up and make the play the most, is he going to be able to respond to this adversity and get the job done? He's playing with a coach in Matt LaFleur that I think he likes. I think they are on the same page. But uh, this game is just going to be very hard for me to get out of my head. It almost reminded me a little bit of that game that Green Bay and Tampa Bay played last year. Green Bay got off to a 10-0 start in that game. Obviously, this game didn't go that way. The Saints led from start to finish. But what a just dominating effort by New Orleans. An embarrassing effort by Green Bay. And this is one of the more surprising NFL results I remember in a long, long time. Good for the Saints. Terrible effort by the Packers. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all the sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L, Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3, YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.